So the tool is called a now alarm. And this is like, you're going to take action now. You literally set an alarm in your phone that goes off at a certain time every single day that says now. And you, when it says now, you have to, you literally have to write down something that you're going to take action on now that you're doubting yourself on, whether you're the older or the younger. And then you're going to reach out to somebody who is either older or younger and ask them for advice. podcasts because I have my my friend on today someone who I've been friends with for actually many years but never met in person his name is David Nurse and David is quite a guy he used to be an MBA coach right yes okay turned author of multiple books yes and he is a, a mindset like he's basically a performance coach coach a mindset expert and his newest book is called do it I love the name. Uh, the life-changing power of taking action. And you know why I love having, I love the title, is because all I ever yammer on about is like action, action, mm -hmm. taking action. And then you wrote an entire book about taking action. Just for you. You really? gave me that idea. You were talking about taking action in our last podcast. I was like, you know what? I want to write this book so I can come on Jen's podcast. Specifically for and me. And here we are. Exactly. Well, you, you, it worked <laughs> because here you are, right? Yep. I'm so happy to have you here. So like, legit, because this made me, this made us get actually introduced in person for the first time in God knows in all the years I've known you. So <laughs> uh, let's start from the beginning. Now you have, this is now what, your second, third book? Third book third now, book. yeah. Your first book was called? Pivot and Go. Second book? Breakthrough. And this one now? is now do it. How, okay, how do you have all these ideas? They're all very much about mindset and motivation and personal development, but I feel like you just like spit out one nice book after another. <laughs> I think, you know what, like they're different concepts that I have and written for different people. So Pivot and Go was written for somebody who is stuck. And I feel like everybody at some point gets stuck in their lives. Mm -hmm. Just so happened that became the hot term during COVID, wrote it before COVID. But anybody who's feeling stuck could read these little small pivots in perspective and see things from a different perspective. Breakthrough is more of a formula that I've used with NBA players and coaches and CEOs that I've seen them perform at a high level. So it's like, okay, what can, because we all see this with high performers, like why are they at that high level? But yet there's really no formulaic expression for it so i just did research on what was working and i put it into a four quarter breakthrough quadrant so that was more towards the the high performer who wants to take it to the next level now do it is an interesting one and this one i'm i'm really excited about i think probably like it's the cheesiest thing for an author to say hey my new book's the best one go get it <laughs> but it's it's but a, you're gonna say it anyway it's a different concept here and it's a different type of writing that i've done and i give the forty thousand foot view as atomic habits meets the Enneagram with crazy cool Malcolm Gladwell type stories of historical figures from the past who changed the world. So what I mean by that is you're going to get the tools to be able to figure out what your action archetype is. Now, action archetype is the reason you are holding yourself back from where you are currently today to where you want to go in the future. Everybody has something holding them back. And maybe it's something bigger than others. Maybe it's multiple things. But at different times in our lives, we are different action archetypes. And we can go through those. And I'll give you a few examples. Like, I looked up some stats on this. Check this out. This is incredible. 31% of adults 
worldwide have more confidence based on clear skin. 31, that's almost one third of people like, hey, you got clear skin, you're more confident. Get this, better looking people, meaning of this term, the clear skin is what we're putting that with, earn 12% more financially over their lifetime. 12% more, that, that literally could be millions of dollars. You are investing a lot into the lab, into the science, into yeah. the research. It is so far a no brainer why anybody would try would use anything else other than one skin. Like, is there any, is there anything like you can even think of that makes sense? Like I'm trying to, and I can't, I want to say out of the kindness of your guys heart, you are providing for our listeners a special pricing code, which will be in the show notes. So look in the show notes to try out one skin for yourself. Strongly recommend to subscribe to our newsletter. We want to empower everyone because we know that the choices that we are making today will definitely impact how you're, oh. you know, are going to age tomorrow. Other people's opinion, which I call the alidaxophobic. That means saw that. fear of other people's opinions. There's other ones like the blamer where somebody's always blaming other people. We know these type of people. Maybe it's you listening to this right now. The scarcest. So you're living in a scarcity mindset. You're just trying to hold on to things. You're trying to hoard them. You're trying to not be able to go out and serve and share with others because you think you only get one slice of the pie. There's six others, nine total, through doing three years of studies, surveys, crazy research, more than I've ever done. And then I go into why it's actually happening neurologically in the brain. Like, why are people really fearing other people's opinions? There's different things happening in the brain. And then also in the heart, the feelings that hold us back. So each section has heart science, brain science, and then the coolest thing, these Malcolm Gladwell type stories, these historical figures you probably like a lot of people haven't heard of these type, these people. Like one guy's Louis Latimer, for example, incredible guy. I'd never heard of him before, but he literally is the person behind Thomas Edison and Alexander Graham Bell. Why they did what they did without him. They're not those people. It's, it's mind blowing. But each one of these people had the same struggle, like of these nine different types. They came to a moment when they could have just taken the easy route and just, you know, kind of just went through the motions like a lot of people will or take action, take a risk, take action. And they all obviously took action and they changed the world through it. I love that. That's a great, just that diatribe that you were just on was perfect. Cause it really did kind of give you everything that you needed right there. And so are you saying that we all fall into one of these archetypes, action archetypes? Could we be, could we be a mix? Could we blend totally. two? Okay. That's what's really cool about it. So okay. the Enneagram, you are one type, and that's kind of a personality self-awareness. Mm -hmm. This is something where you might change. Like I know for my, myself, for example, at one point I feared other people's opinions. The, I had this opportunity when I was doing basketball camps and before I coached or worked with any NBA players. Mm -hmm. I got this opportunity from a friend of mine who was a high school coach. He had the number one player in the country. And he told me, David, come up and work, work him out. And this is like what everybody dreams of if you're an NBA trainer. Like you get to work with this guy who's going to be an NBA superstar. Who was it, by the way? Aaron Gordon. He's still in the NBA. He's the dunk champion. People will know about him if you know the NBA. He was a stud up at, at Archbishop Mitty in San Jose. So... I go up there. I'm going to work him out. Work him out how? Training Yeah, yeah, yeah. Training, like basketball skills, like skill development type skill stuff. Skill development stuff, okay. And when you do this, then you're like, okay, I worked with this player. It really helps on your resume. NBA trainers do this all the time. 
But I was going to go in. I was literally about to go in the gym to work him out. And I got scared. Like I was afraid of what this 16 year old kid was going to think of me and think like I'm an imposter here going into this. Yeah. So I go home. I make some excuse that I was feeling sick. By God's grace, two weeks later, the coach, Tim Kennedy. You never went in? I didn't go in. No. Because I, that, I was really living in the, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. I'd never done it before, so I was scared. So that was fear of other people's opinions. Yeah. So, and it's also another, there's another one called the underestimator. I also thought, like, who am I to work this guy out? I'm just this small town kid from Iowa. Like, what, like, who am I to go be this potential NBA trainer or coach? And a lot of us will struggle with that. Like, oh, I was born in this town. This person has more advantages than me. Or their parent is this. Like, no, 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 no. That's just lies and excuses you're telling yourself. So two weeks later, he asked me again, hey, do you want it? Are you feeling better? And I did it. One of my friends kind of pushed me towards it. My friend comes and films it. We send this film to some NBA agents. They like it. They pick it up. I start training their players. And before I know it, I'm training over 150 NBA players over the next 10 years because of that, because I took action. But as you saw, I was struggling with fear of other people's opinions to begin. So how did you overcome that fear? You know what? Like literally, it was because my friend pushed me towards it. Now, there's tools in the book that I tell you, like, you can actually use. That was just by sheer, like, Pushing. force, basically. <laughs> He's like, dude, you're stupid. Do it. Who cares what a 16-year-old thinks? And, right. like, when I think about it, like, who Thank cares God. what? But who cares what anybody thinks, honestly, right? Because we all get so caught up in, the like, other people's opinions. What do they think? Oh, what? Are, you know how long somebody actually thinks about you? Probably about 10 seconds. I think that's too long. I think it, people actually maybe think about long. you for like two seconds. Two seconds, yeah. And like that's why we a lot of times we're so fearful of even like doing something about how we're going to look stupid or this. And nobody mm-hmm. even cares. They're too busy paying attention to themselves and thinking Bingo. about themselves. Bingo. Or thinking about what they're going to eat for dinner that night. I t- 100%. Yeah, exactly. I tell it in talks. Yeah. Like, And I'm on stage. I'm saying, you know why? You know, I'm, I don't care what any of you think. Sure, I want you to like me. It'd be awesome. I want everybody listening to this podcast to be like, man, David, super cool dude. Like, let's, I want to kick it with him. But ultimately, I could care less because when I go home, I know I have God and my smoking hot wife, and that's all I need. That's all you need. Literally. That's yeah. amazing. So then, wait, so give us a couple of the tools that you yes, talk about yes. to overcome fear if we don't have a friend that you had that literally pushes us. <laughs> Pushes and nudges us out to train the 16-year-old. Give us a couple of those uh, tools. Yeah, yeah. So here's my favorite one. It's called Be the Comedian. So think about your favorite comedy show. Mine was The Office with a guy named Michael Scott. I loved it. It's one of the best all time. If you haven't watched it, there's something wrong with you. (laughs) Right. Anyways, he's always getting himself in trouble. He's a regional manager for Dunder Mifflin, a paper company. He's always saying something to put his foot in his mouth and just getting in these situations. And it's hilarious. But for him, it's incredible stress and anxiety. So think about that. When you're going through some time where other people are judging you or it's a stressful, anxious time, you're fearing some other other person's opinion, take a step back. So you go from Michael to being the viewer. And then when you can look at yourself as a a comedy show, you start to laugh. You're like, well, that's kind of funny, actually, that you're going through it because you're going to get through it. 
If yeah. you, I mean, either that or you'll die, and then it won't matter. Right. Or it's also like such a blip in your life, right? Like, who cares yeah. after like a minute or two? You're kind of, yeah. or like it, it, at the moment, like it's just a, it lasts, it's a finite period of time, and then it's over. Yeah, but you yeah. can actually laugh at yourself, and there's some really tons of studies on how healthy that is and how much overall happiness and contentment you have if you are able to just not take yourself so damn serious. Yes, that's the problem. We take ourselves too damn seriously. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then, okay, of this list, let's go through them. So yeah. the first one I can barely pronounce. Allodaxophobic. That's the fear of other people's that's opinions. That's the fear of other people's yeah. opinions. Okay, what's the burned? The burned action archetype. Yes, so the burned. Archetype, I should So say. think about it. Like somebody burns you. Let's take it for dating, for example. Okay. A lot of people will say, oh, well, I got burnt. You know, they, they did me wrong. They dumped me. I'm not going to put my heart out there. Because of somebody from the past did something to you, you're going to take that past and you're going to put it on somebody from the future, either on yourself to hold yourself back. Like, hey, I'm not going to take a chance. Why would I put my heart out there? I got burnt. No, that's just an excuse. The past is literally what happens in the past is going to lead you to what you are going to be in the future. But people in the burn situation will hold themselves back from taking action because they feel like they were done wrong. Mm. So it's ultimately the, the past, somebody in the past, is you're allowing them to hold back. And there's a thing called traumatic age regression. So this, is, this, is, this concept was incredible when I was doing the research on it. And it's when something happens in your past, you freeze in that moment. Like you literally, until you address that situation, that traumatic situation in the past, you can't mentally get over it. It's like if you if you had a bad childhood and you go back to your childhood home, you ultimately go back into that person you were as a kid until you are able to be aware of it, accept it, address it. You will not be able to move on. You stay frozen in that moment. That feeling when you are just recharged, you don't have any sickness, no ailments, you have full optimal energy you are functioning at your highest level you want to recreate that yeah sure you do i do we all do and then you can times it by 10. what i'm about to tell you is going to blow your mind so hold on here this this is real hyperbaric chamber if you don't know what it is look it up right now look up elevate health e-l-e-v-e health.com it's an oxygen miracle what it is hbot the hyperbaric chamber it's a simple and non-invasive therapy where you go into this it places a body in a pressurized environment that allows extra oxygen to dissolve in the blood plasma and travel freely throughout your circulatory system getting more red blood cells flowing naturally to the body's function it's going to help you kill off any harmful bacteria. It's gonna help you detox, increase your oxygen concentration, resist and fight infection, heal wounds faster, improve oxygen supply, reduce swelling, stop infection, lower inflammation, all while you're relaxing in the chamber. I, I, I kid you not, this is what the pros, the top Olympic athletes, what everybody uses for the highest optimization recovery. This is called Hyperbaric Chamber, HBOT, from Elevate Health, E-L-E-V-E Health.com. Message me separately, too, if you want to get a specific deal on this. Check it out as you're a sports team, if you're an individual, if you're just somebody who loves optimization, it will be 
an absolute life changer for you. Well, I was going to say to you, in what world is procrastination sexy? I don't think oh. it's sexy in any world. There's books written on it lately that have been coming out. Really? Yeah. They're like, you can do your best creative work when you procrastinate. I've never seen that. Seriously. Mm. I'll tell you. I'll show you. Yeah. I, that's weird because I just did a whole podcast on procrastination. And it's like, it, it to, to me, it's like the, it is the, one of the biggest sources of stress because it's agree. like something you're not, if it's always going to be lingering and it's something you're not doing. So that's why I would think that I'm surprised there's books about this. I totally agree. Yeah. But I love the idea of that alarm because that actually is such an actionable thing where it will stop you from like you, it's an, that's an actionable thing that yeah. people can do to propel them forward. Yeah, totally. You, like, it goes off. Yeah. You have to and do you it. you have to do something. Yes. You literally have to do something. I mean, you can actually like turn the alarm off and you I, don't have to do it. But you can press snooze. You can do whatever you want with that. But you know what's funny that I found too? Like when we're talking about there's excuses and there's fear that everybody has. There's So self-esteem obviously is how you feel about yourself, your self-love. And that's really important. And a lot of people talk about that. And I agree. And then self-confidence is also very important because that is the... I mean, the, the self-awareness of, how, of who you are in a moment, but it's self-efficacy that's actually the game changer. It is self-esteem plus self-confidence because self-efficacy, tough one to get out, is acting as the person that you know and see yourself to be in the future. 100%. That, I didn't know that. Yeah, I write about that the whole chapter on this. That's, oh, there you go. See, once again, I think... You know what? I think I might have just stolen every chapter yeah, of your think, book. Did you and just put like it rewrite in... my book? Maybe. <laughs> oh, Jerry's out. I mean, I'm just saying. But no, self-efficacy is way more important. It's a feeling of you believing that you can do something yeah. is way more important than any. If you think you can do something, then you can do something. And it, it kind of it, it really does propel you to, to, to the action. It's so true. Right. Because why people can't is because they're not able to see the future, the future principle opportunity of you look at a, a situation happens. Okay, yeah. you either look at it one or two ways. It's the future principle or it's a lost opportunity. Now it's hey, this happened. Dang, I'm gonna regret that. Oh shoot. Well, pff, I just got fired from my job. Oh, it's over. Or you look at it as a future opportunity of oh, I got fired from my job, but I learned all these skill sets that I can use for this even better job. So it's a one of two ways. But if people can't see themselves as that future self, then you have no idea where That's you are going and you true. will never get there. That's 100% true. You also talk about in your book, similar to mine, the self, the self distancing thing, right? The alter ego. Yes. How that's important too. Yes. Now, in what area were you just referring to that? Were you just talking about it? Or it is a you... tool, and that's such, uh, like it is a tool of one of those archetypes, which I cannot remember which tool which it is one? for right now. But it's yeah. a reverse alter ego. Yeah, the reverse alter yeah. ego. Yeah. So yeah. it is. It's um. I want to say, it's the the blamer. I think. I think. I think. I think. I think. Maybe not. Maybe not. No, I think you're probably right. Okay. Blamer. Okay. Because you take yourself, so you, you reverse the alter ego. So here's how it works, like. If I did something in the past that I am still beholden to, mm -hmm. like I was younger and I was, I'm still in this frame of mind, I give myself, well, that was little Davy that did that. Mm -hmm. That's my reverse alter ego. Now I'm created, which we know as the alter ego is you can have it as a superhero or you can have Sasha Fierce or something like that or yeah. Wonder Woman or 
Yes. Why do you know this? Why is this my alter ego? This could be my actual. That's maybe who I am. That's no. what I'm saying. But you become alter. your alter ego. You I mean, your alter Superman ego. and Clark Kent are the same person, right? That's true. There you go. That's true. So you look like him a little bit. Has uh, anyone ever told you that before? Mm, my love language is words of affirmation. Yeah, is it? So thank you very much. Oh, you look <laughs> a little bit like Clark Kent. Don't you think so? Will? Come on. Can we get a movie deal? The next yeah. Superman. Definitely a little. Come bit. on, Will. Give me some props. Thank you. A little, he's quiet on his phone, but a little bit, right? Okay, by the way, we, I wanted to kind of, I, when we, we kind of, we'll go back to some of these other um, action uh, archetypes, but why don't we talk a little bit first about how you became the NBA skills coach, like mm. what you're back, give me a little bit of origin story so people yeah, totally. know how you even came to be someone who's writing these books. We kind of skipped that part because we were just like, yeah, we just around. got into it. Yeah, good point. Yeah. Yeah. But like, because were you a men, were you a mind coach? Were you a mm. skill, physical skill coach? Like, yep. where which one were you? Were you both at one at different points mm-hmm. of your life? Give me your origin. So story. here's how it went. Well, I thought I was going to play in the NBA. Right. I grew up in this small town of Iowa. I got a vertical leap of about two inches. So I mean, my parents probably should have said play tennis or golf. But I <laughs> loved basketball. Poured every waking hour into it. Well, really? Oh yeah, loved it. So, but I could shoot. I had no athletic gene, but I could, I could literally, I could shoot. And that was my only gift. So I got to play college basketball and I got to play professionally overseas. And if we're being completely honest, it was probably more like the Will Ferrell semi-pro type of professional (laughs) overseas. And we'll fast forward to year three. I played in Australia, Greece, and Spain. I'm playing in Northern Spain in the Basque region. They don't even speak Spanish up there. Literally probably don't really know what basketball is, but I'm pouring in two a days, film study, like nutrition, like all of this kind of stuff. And they're like, Where's the party at drinking beers at halftime? So I get cut from this team after the first preseason game, Jen. Yeah. So think about every hope, goal, and dream you had. No backup plan. And it's taken away from you, turned upside down, and your face rubbed in the dirt. So I come back. But you know what? It's the greatest blessing. You know, it's when something like that happens, when a door shuts, I'll show you why. So I'm, I'm sitting on my... I'm living on my parents' recliner chair, feeling bad for myself in Kansas City. And my mom would always say these motivational and inspirational quotes. And usually it's whatever mom in one ear out the other ear. But she said this one that stuck with me. I was kicked back in the chair. She was doing dishes. She said, David, when one door closes, four open in an entire beachfront patio overlooking the ocean. I was like, hold up, mom. I thought it was one door, one door. What's this four doors beachfront (laughs) deal here you got going? But it hit me is that when a door closes, it's not a door shutting on your life. It's an opportunity for four more doors to open for something bigger and better to come, realizing that my gift was not to play in the NBA, but it was to coach players with more God-given ability, seven-foot height than athleticism to do so. So I made it my goal right then and there. I was going to coach in the NBA. How old are you at this point? 24. Okay. And so here you are, like, basically crying in your mom's recliner. Yeah. She gave you this whole this whole like this thing about the four doors mm-hmm. and you're like, now's my time to become an NBA coach, which by the way, is not exactly an easy thing to do either. Forget no. about being an NBA player. Yeah. How does one even become an NBA coach? Like Great what is question. the, yeah. What is the even process? Is there an application that I get on <laughs> NBA at NBA.com? Like, what do I do? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Very good question. Great setup. So I hand wrote a letter to every NBA GM. I decided like I was going to take action on this because you can't just sit around and wait for the phone to ring. I'm like, hey, I'm sure the NBA knows I want to coach. No. That didn't happen that way. Yeah. Nobody got back to me. I kept checking the mail. Month and a half later, there's handwritten letters. Handwritten letters. So how many? And don't exaggerate. Thirty. 
30 NBA teams, handwritten letters, every single to one. To who, the actual coach? I sent it to whatever address I could find. It was mostly, it was more management, assistant GM, GM, okay. not the coaches. So I sent it to front office management. Nothing back for a month and a half. I get a call from a 310 area code number. That's Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. It's the GM of the Clippers at the time, Gary Sachs. We have a quick conversation. At the end of it, he says, if you're ever out in L.A., look me up. We'll grab coffee. Just being nice. Basically, good luck with the rest of your life, kid. He actually wrote you an actual No, 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 call. Phone call, call. Okay, phone call. call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So it was a quick phone call. So I took that, that as an nice opportunity. Yeah, it was very nice. He's one of the nicest guys. I took that as an opportunity. I booked a ticket, spent all my money, stole some of my parents' money, literally, to book a ticket to be in L.A. to act like I was going to do a basketball camp the following week. So I prepare my butt off for this meeting. I'm studying up for it, and I'm nervous as can be. I can literally still remember walking into his room, sweating through my button-up shirt that I had on. I was so nervous. But we hit it off. Great meeting. Every NBA connection I've ever gotten. Eric Spolster is a very good friend, or even the job I got with the Nets later down the line stemmed from Gary Sachs. I ended up wow. living with him when I moved to L.A. He's in my wedding. He's one of my best friends to this day. We talk all the time because I took the chance when I was scared to take a risk of writing every handwritten letter. When I had like, what did I have to lose, though? But most people will make some excuse like, no, well, why would they want me, you know? And it leads to that. So fast forward five years, I was running basketball camps. I created this because now I had to make myself like the NBA would want me. I couldn't once again just wait for Gary to say, hey, this guy, David, take him. Well, wait, hold on. I want to hear how this how, how it played out. You said cut to your he's in your wedding. You're staying with him. Before you cut to how did the relationship yeah. evolve from that point? So here you are. You're, you sweat through your shirt. You're meeting with this guy in his in his office. Yeah. And then what was the first thing that kind of kind of happened yep. from that meeting? So I knew I had to make the NBA want me. To I, do what? Because here you're a 24-year-old kid. Right. To be a shooting coach. That was my one gift. So I realized this is what I can do. I can teach this. Because that was the thing you were the best at, yep. right? Okay. I can become the best shooting coach. So I looked up who is the best shooting coach. It was Chip England for the San Antonio Spurs. So I seeked out Chip England. I would write him emails. I would, I would call their number. I never got back to me. So I go out to the Las Vegas. I figured out where do all the NBA people hang out. In any industry, there's always some place that everybody comes together. This is Las Vegas Summer League, hot 100-degree weather in July. So I go out there year after year, and I'm connecting with people. I love relationships. I would get business cards and stay in touch. You're very good. Thank By you. the way, I will say that David is one of, one of, the, one of the best networkers, connectors, and ma maintainers of relationships. That's how we met. Yeah. You reached out to I me. I did. Totally. And, you know, he's very upbeat and happy. And you did. You reached out mm -hmm. to me and like in a very like very like aggressive, but yet sweet, nice way, <laughs> relentless and tenacious. Yeah. And like not to say I'm anything special, but what I, I find interesting is that like he like beats you down in a nice way. And then you become <laughs> friends with this, this person That's where sweet. you don't even remember how you Thanks, became friends Jen. with them. Which is exactly how you did it. And that's your that's your secret sauce. Oh, that's nice. It's true because you you are unrelenting and you do it in a way, which is I think the next book is like how mm. you can do that. Because Ooh. I think that is to me 
really the secret sauce of how people go from A to B. But anyway, that's cool. That's what I think. That might be. That's a really good book concept. I know. See, since I stole this one, I know. Well, actually, now I can steal I'm the next gonna one. I'm actually going to be writing that. So don't you dare oh, take not. it. I've already okay. got a different one going. But. I'm not kidding. But um, <laughs> okay. So then, so now, let me ask you something. So now mm -hmm. you're in Gary's office, right? Mm -hmm. Are have you done any of these summer season Vegas things yet? Or not, not yet? when I was in Gary's office. So after that, I did. But okay, so. Okay, so mm -hmm. then you did he give you that idea or you figured it no, out? No, I just figured like they okay. all have to be somewhere. And Good. I really wanted to meet this guy, Chip England. Okay. So I finally meet him. I see him walking down the Las Vegas Thomas and Mac Arena corridor. Okay. And I spark up a conversation with he obviously knew that I was hitting him up a zillion times in email. And he's right. like, Hey, I respect that. You're like, you're really trying to get there. And totally. He, he took me under his wing and he gave me some great advice. I, I used for years and years when I was training players. But the thing that I had to do was also what I was saying, like make the NBA want me become a great shooting coach. Part of that was that Aaron Gordon working with him. That mm -hmm. was all in that process of I was living out of my car for five years doing basketball camps for anybody that would take me in. I custom made these terrible leather, like super bad basketballs, sent them to the Oakland seaport. I drove 29 hours from Kansas City to Oakland with these long haul truckers all around wow. me. I'm piling balls into my car. That's when I spend the next five years living out of the back, literally living out of my car, sleeping in well-lit Walmart parking lots. Did you really? Oh, yeah, multiple times. For yeah. what? For how long? About five years. Or not just sleeping. But most of the time, I was crashing on friends' couches. Okay, but sometimes, yeah. are you saying, seriously, you're sleeping in the... Oh, it's probably 10, 10 to 15 nights, I would. Okay. Yeah, instead of pay forty nine ninety nine because I looked at it as like one person at a camp was $40. Did I really want to spend a night at a hotel or just sleep in the back of your car? I didn't yeah. care. It was good, fine. Good for you. Yeah. That's And so that's how, and so this whole time you were now keeping in touch with Gary Sachs. And all these other people that I'd made relationships right. with. Right, okay. So five years go by. I wake now up. Now what, you're 29? 20, I think I was 28 then. Okay. So it was 24 to 28. So then I wake up in Melbourne, Australia and I get an email that says Brooklyn Nets shooting coach. And I didn't know anybody from the Nets. So I, I literally thought it was somebody playing a joke. But I opened it up, and that next week, I'm in Brooklyn as their shooting coach. Stop it. Yeah, That's totally. how you ended up That's there? That's how I ended there. Two months after the season started, I came on. Now, the crazy story is, now here's the other, the door closing for opening. So we go from 28th to 2nd in three-point shooting percentage. Probably the worst culture at the time. Like, I could tell you crazy, wild stories about NBA culture that just blow your mind. But anyways. No, that's what I want. Yeah. Hello, that's what I find interesting. I don't want to hear about all this other like, <laughs> like sugary surf. I want to so hear about this. Let me tell you the truth about NBA cultures. And now okay. it's obviously there's really good ones and that's the ones that are special and everybody wants to be, everybody says, yeah, it's all about culture. But until you actually realize what culture means, you can't just get there because here's the thing that stands in the way of every culture, whether it's business or sports. It's a three-letter word called ego. Everybody, and it, everybody yeah. has it. It's crazy. The trainers are holding players out so they have impact on the game. The equipment managers aren't given the right shoes so they have – like, I could not believe it. I was working with players because I love it. Like, that's that was my passion. There would be assistant coaches that would come over to me and MF me telling me not to work with that player because that's their player. Are you kidding me? Aren't we all on the same page to try to win a championship? But it's it's very rare – that everybody is on the same page. Most people from the outside looking in, they're thinking like, oh, NBA job, that's so great. And I had a great experience. Yeah. 
but I would never go back. No, kind of, I don't know if you know this. You know, I used to work for the NBA, too. I didn't know that. Yes, yeah, so that was my first job. Oh, I was a great friend of mine. Now you're just giving me this information? I, well, because it was so irrelevant to anything else I've ever done. It was my first job. And I was in like the sales team of like, I was, it was like, I was really young. I was like 19 or 20. And I like, I literally hustled my way into the job by like, I would like, I was so tenacious with the head of something. I like, I like found some like b big executive there. And I was like, that's awesome. Like a dog with a bone. I'm like, I want to work. It was like the first year the Raptors were playing. Oh, Raptors. Yes. Oh, that's oh, And nice. it was like Tom Bito. Oh, no, Bito. Oh, no. What was the name of the person i don't remember the owner or whatever anyway i was relentless they're like fine this girl's so annoying we're gonna give her a job <laughs> in sales and it was me and a bunch of guys and i crushed the guys nice. that's not my point my point is everyone was so different than i expected it to totally. be within the culture it totally. is very cutthroat it was very competitive people were very like very um yeah it's for them yeah it was they're, they're totally than, cutthroat yeah. it's like They'd walk on eggshells and act like they were their, your friend, but you knew deep down like you, they Everyone weren't. Everyone was like very two-faced, but I didn't know if it was just like corporate culture because I'd never had a job like that mm -hmm. or if it was like that culture, mm -hmm. but I hated it. Yeah. Anyway, I'm digressing. So then go on. So then they... No, so no, that's such a cool story. That's You had a story. Okay, this I have to ask this because this story blew my mind and I never heard it before. And it's probably me being a bad question asker that I didn't get it out of you. Okay. But you had an Instagram story of how you reached out, it was to some actor, big actor that you really looked up to, and somehow they got back to you. You know what I'm talking about? It was Keanu Reeves. That's and, the one! Yeah, but you have to watch my TED Talk. I, this is, oh. that to me, is too long of a story. Why would the equipment guy give you a hard time, though? Ego. That's it. But about what? Like, I don't understand. I, great. Me neither, you know? But every, like, it's, if you had, so there's two ends of the spectrum. It's you either have... Let's say it's at 0% on the left. That is ego all about yourself. Mm -hmm. On the right side is full alignment with God of who you are made to be. Every day you wake up and it's a battle to try to get to the right side. Society, everything is dragging us down to the ego. Oh, you need to do you, do you, your way, your way. But that's never the way. And when it gets infested into teams, into corporations, psh, ego explodes. It doesn't matter what role you're in. Everybody has it. So how long did you last? So to the end of the season, all right, we go from 28th to 2nd in three-point shooting percentage. The GM is telling me we'll give you a three-year deal. I'm getting New York media hype of, like, this young up-and-coming development coach. So I figured, like, I'm in. Look at me, like, feeling myself and everything. Yeah. And, and me being d young and dumb. Like, if someone says, hey, we'll give you a three-year contract – I would have said, okay, let's sign now. But I'm like, all right, cool. I trust you. I go back home for a couple of weeks, you know, in the off season. And then I come back to start the, the off season development workouts. New head coach comes in, boom, fired. Just like that, I'm out. And there's crazy stories with this head coach that comes full circle. And this guy, Kenny Atkinson, it's a crazy, a couple crazy stories of lessons that I learned there. But I get fired. So it's the one door closing four open in a beachfront patio overlooking the ocean. I'm devastated at the time. I thought I was in the NBA. That was my goal. I, want, I thought I was in forever and good, you know? So then I come out to Los Angeles and I'm, I'm working for UCLA, a friend of mine coached UCLA. And then I meet this guy, Casey Wasserman, and he brings me on to work with all his top NBA I know players. Casey Wasserman. Yes, yes. Casey's awesome. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to the book then, because now I have my all the information that I need about that. Let's talk more. Give me a couple. Let's wrap it up. Let's give me a couple more just archetypes of action people, and then we can 
you, I'll let you out of here. Let's go with the um, the uh, perfectionist and the test believer. How's those two? Mm, good ones, good okay. ones, good ones. Okay, the perfectionist is, I mean, that is someone who literally thinks they have to er have everything spot on before they can even take the first yes. step. And there's never going to be anything that you have together perfectly before you're able to go. And it's such a debilitating thing to have. Um, I just, like, I don't know. That one drives me nuts that people can't just see that. Like, you, you learn so much along the way. What's the saying? Ready, fire, aim? Uh, ready, I think fire, it's ready, fire, aim. aim. Yeah. Or, as opposed to ready, aim, fire. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so people hold themselves back from, like, if the, the only way you learn something and like, let's say you're starting a business is you're going to fail. There's a stat that of the success, like super, they, super successful multi-billionaire business owners that, that started businesses like Henry Ford, Walt Disney, a ton of these guys, yeah. they went through 7.2 massive roadblocks, meaning bankruptcies, failures, all these different things like Starbucks. There was I'll butcher this number, but it was like 17 Starbucks stores in the first 18 years. Now there's a Starbucks on every corner and Starbucks within Starbucks. I know. That's interesting. Even the first 18 years only. Are you sure that number is? It's either 18 or 19 years. It's something that wow. will blow your mind. I might have it off by one year, but it's very, very oh, close on that. Yeah. That, you're right. Like now, like. It's like weird. <laughs> like you go to a Starbucks, just literally you know how much I hate that when I type in Starbucks and it says me to Target. I know. Like, I don't like, want oh, Target. It's a hundred percent. Like right here, you could go to there's a, there's a there's a Starbucks in like Ralph's or wherever. Yeah. At a Target, and then a Starbucks in the Target, and a regular Starbucks. So you don't know what Starbucks. There's three Starbucks right. within on the same pin that you're on. But the point being is they went through so 7.2 massive roadblocks, yeah. and like they didn't have it together perfectly. They learned how to continue to improve and improve, but people don't see that part of it. Right. And so, how do people get over the? How do people get over that hump? Like a tool. Give me one. The tool, I'm not, I can't actually remember, this sounds bad as writing the own book. I can't remember the exact tool I gave for that one. There's a lot of different ways to get over perfectionism. And it's, uh, I mean, one of the biggest ways is just, oh, I do remember this one, Jen. It came back to me. It's, it's your failure notes. So instead of celebrating successes, because most people will celebrate success, right? right. So you sell, it's, a, it's a celebration of your failures. So you're literally, anytime you fail, you're writing it down in your journal and you're celebrating the opposite. You're celebrating the failures. And those failures ultimately are going to lead you to having it the, the way it's supposed to be or that you're actually able to bring impact through what you're doing. So it's, it's, a, it's a journal of celebration of failures. That's wow. your tool. That is it. Okay. And then what's, let's do that last one. Which The was... test believer. So the test believer is somebody who will look at the horoscopes or the Enneagram. And they'll think, well, since that's what it says about me, that's who I am. Right? People, you've seen totally. those people yeah, like yeah, horoscopes like, oh, well, uh, Mercury's in retrograde. So I just, you know, I just, I'm not going to have a good month. Yes. Or, you know. That's what the... so funny. Someone just said that to me yesterday. I'm like. <laughs> Come on, like Mercury's in retrograde like half the year. So is that always that you're yeah. back? Yeah, 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 totally. yeah. So uh, the tool for this one's a hilarious one too. You'll like this one. But but before we get to that point, and it is called Go Retrograde, the tool for this one. Okay. But the one that really kills me is when people say, well, I can't go out and meet people. I'm an introvert. Yeah. I'm like, so no, 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 no. I mean, you 
you might get your energy from being alone, but that doesn't mean you can't go talk to somebody. Right. People will put that label on themselves. Or I'm introverted. I'm extroverted. And that's who they are. And that's yeah. who they live in. And every decision is based through that. I think that's a bunch of BS. Right. Going to Bora Bora for our wedding anniversary, me and my wife. That's nice. Super excited about that. How long that. are you going for? 10 days. Very nice. The huts. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Okay, mm -hmm. so. Have you been? I feel like you've been to every island. I've been nowhere, first of all. I have not been there, actually. Um, I wish I was. <laughs> I, I, I really, I have. I want to go, though, especially I'm looking outside to this horrible rain. Oh my God, um, it is raining again. It's raining like every, it's like, it doesn't stop here. My house is like falling in. It's like a, a money pit. The ceiling has literally fallen in. It's like I have like it's flooding on every direction, which is why I need to like wrap this and go check it out. But um, it was a pleasure having you in my podcast. Yeah, this was so much fun. No, it really was. I'm yeah. happy that we got to do this. Do we get to hang out in person sometime? Yeah, like, can we? We can do it. We take this like friendship to the next level. Like, we can. hey, let's hang. We can. Let's we kick can it. Do it. We can do it. <laughs> we can definitely. Now that I've met you in person, we can definitely hang out again. Yes. This is exciting. So. Tell everybody, Mr. David, mm -hmm. where they can find you and your book. DavidNurse.com. Obviously here at Jen Cohen's studio right now, they if you're creeping. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, anywhere books are sold, podcasts, The David Nurse Show, social media, pretty easy to be found. The, the basics. The basics. The basics. Yes. Well, thank you. I think we can wrap. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.